VGMP. Hello, gamers and movie lovers alike, and welcome to a brand new episode of VGMP, the video game movie podcast. The show where me and my co-host Rory go through all, all of the video game adaptations there has ever been, and try and find the good ones. It's hard. It's hard work. Longer than the average Final Fantasy quest. Longer than platinuming Dark Souls. And more frustratingly boring than a game of Minecraft. Minecraft? Would you look at Minecraft? It is better than your craft. Today, we are doing a little bit of a hidden gem. Something that I don't think is overly well known in the modern parlance. And that is 1994's four-episode Final Fantasy Legend of the Crystals OVA. Woo! Final Fantasy bringing it home, bro! Final Fantasy is an RPG. We started season four. And this is not. This is garbage. This isn't Final Fantasy. No, it Fair is Final way. Fantasy. It's a, an official Final Fantasy product. No, it's not. Look, this it's... is about as Final Fantasy as Spirits Within is. Yeah, which was also a Final Fantasy. So this is now our third Final Fantasy. We hadn't done any for the first three seasons. We then covered Advent Children at the very beginning of season, season four. four. And then just towards the end of season four, we then did Spirits Within. We did. Um, so we have covered the biggest two known ones, one which is... Hollywood, one which is very much inspired by the Japanese games. It's, in fact, a sequel. Mm -hmm. And now we're covering this one, which is supposedly a sequel to Final Fantasy V. And is an official product. Was made in Japan. So it's not an Americanism or Hollywood screwing it up. This is an official product. Not made by Square, though. No, not made directly by Square. The first one in that series is Spirits Within. So this is kind of an... We've kind of gone on a long journey with Final Fantasy in just three episodes. Because we've done two that they made, one of which has nothing to do with Final Fantasy. And now this one, which is nothing to do with Square, but it is at least Final Fantasy related. Ish. Yeah, we'll get get into it. Much like Resident Evil... They just can't seem to get Final Fantasy right. Mm. Um, Maybe the problem is it just doesn't translate well. But as Rory said, this is technically a sequel to Final Fantasy V, which is one of the ones I haven't played, but from what I hear is one of the worst stories in the franchise, so not really the one that you want to do a sequel to. So maybe this, in, in that case, if you're not a big fan of this one, Jamie then this is probably a very accurate sequel to Final Fantasy V. Maybe, but it's set 200 years later yeah. and doesn't really have any characters from the game in it except for sort of one of them. Who's already a ghost. Who's already dead at the start of the <laughs> thing. It's got a very retro feel to it. Yes. The animation style very much reminded me of like early season Dragon Ball or, or early season Sailor Moon. Things like that. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's obviously made in 94. It has a very 90s anime vibe to it. It doesn't feel modern. also doesn't feel particularly old for its time. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's very much of its time. The... Okay, so let's talk about some of the design elements of it. Mm-hmm. 
I've again, I've not played Final Fantasy V either. It's I don't play Final Fantasy because most of it was on either the SNES, which I didn't have, or PlayStation, or the PlayStation, which I didn't have. So I'm afraid I'm very un- unknowledgeable on that series. You know a lot more than I do, but you know it mostly from the PlayStation rather than the SNES era. Yeah, I have got the um, Steam have done pixel remasters of all. Well, they've done remasters of all the Final Fantasy games up to. I think up to 12, up to and including 12. Um, and I, uh, last year, bought them all because they, oh, nice. they were all on sale, uh, except for 11, because 11's an MMORPG. Sure. And apparently it's very good. I mean, people are still playing it today, and it came out in, like, 2004 or something, something like that. that. Yeah, because I remember uh, when that came out. It's a yeah, crap game, but, but I, just... <laughs> I remember when it came out. Well, this is what I'm saying. It must be somewhat good if people are still playing it all this time later, but MMORPGs just don't do it for me. I think, to be honest, the only reason it's still played now is because it's got the Final Fantasy name slapped on it. It's a bit like if you put anything Nintendo out there, it doesn't actually matter if it's any good, because it's Nintendo, people will keep playing it. Maybe, but I don't know. I, I hear a lot of really positive things about it. Oh, I've played it's garbage. You don't even play it. It plays itself. Right. It's not a game. You walk into an area, a combat starts, mm. and then you just walk around. And it doesn't matter if you're close or far away from the enemy. Right. The hits will strike or not strike, depending on a percentage count. Right. So it's crap. You don't act- And it, it, it t- attacks automatically. You don't choose when it attacks. Oh, really? Yeah, it's crap. It's garbage. That sounds unusual. Yeah, it's rubbish. Doesn't sound like a normal Final Fantasy battle system. It's not. Very interesting. No. No, um, and then they did an- <laughs> they did another MMORPG a few years later. Fourteen right. is an MMO, yeah. Um, and that one had a more troubled cycle where, when it first came out, apparently it was utter utter garbage, mm. and like was re- roundly rejected by the fans. They were like, "This is awful." Sure. And then they they did sort of a re-release of it called A Realm Reborn that apparently is amazing. And that version's one of the best games in the franchise, apparently. Right. But I just, I just can't, I can't do MMORPGs. I'm not social enough. I don't want to play with other people. I don't want to play at certain times to take advantage of certain events. And I don't want to get addicted. I know too many people who got addicted to online MMORPGs. Yeah, it ruins their life, doesn't it? Yeah, um, um, so it's a no from me, dog. But yeah, so this is set 200 years after Final Fantasy V. Yeah, I'm looking at images of Final Fantasy V. Mm. Just to sort of see where the visual styles might merge or not merge. Final Fantasy V, I can't see anything sci-fi-ish in it. I mean, there's probably a couple of elements, but overall, by and large, it's medieval. Yeah, five, 5 was much more... I think 6 was the first one where they started bringing in the more sci-fi-ish elements. Yeah, and that, that the reason that I, I mention that is because Legend of the Crystals... I know it's probably because they say it's set 200 years after Final Fantasy V. So the world would have technologically moved on. Yeah, but... Again, if you're setting it after a particular game in the series, it's got a certain visual art style... The jump from medieval with dragons to this, where you've got a man on a motorbike with sidecar, you've got uh, huge flying blimps and airships with guns, and huge knockers. Yeah. This leads me to my theory about this, Mm. which is, and I I don't know, this is just me pulling shit out my arse, 
Um, I I don't think this was originally envisioned as a Final Fantasy thing. This definitely I, feels like it was a spec script. I think it was an original thing that then got Final Fantasy forced upon it. Yeah, because the only thing, as we say, the only thing Final Fantasy in it is one character who yeah. is already dead, is a ghost. Yeah, and then the rest is just names. Yeah. It's, it's just adding in lines like, oh, you're the descendant of Bart's. Yeah. Nothing in the film makes that necessary. No, no, Bart's... Bart's bloodline doesn't really come into it. So the main characters are, you've got Pritz, who's the sort of cyberpunky motorcycle riding guy with the long sword. Mm. And you've got Linnelly, yeah, who is a young traditional girl who is spiritual. Mm. I suppose in, in a traditional RPG side, she would probably be your healer. Yeah. Whereas Pritz would be your swordsman. Those are your two leads. Apparently they're both descendant from Bart's? No. Pr- are they not? Uh Linnelly's descended from Bart's, and Pritz is descended from Bart's right-hand man. Oh, okay. Or, some, or, or teacher, or something like that. Right. So they are descended from the original party in Final Fantasy V. Yeah, but again, none of those characters, other than the one dead one, come back in. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and absolutely none of it actually means anything to the plot. Yeah, it's a completely new villain. It's all... <laughs> It's not like Advent Children where they crowbar bringing Sephiroth back in. Oh, no, I think Death Guy and us. No, is he he's not. not. No. Oh, who's the main villain of Five? X-Death. Oh, Jesus Christ. X-Death and Neo-X-Death. I wonder uh, if Death Guy and us might be a mistranslation. No, it's not. Because they, they, he said that's the only other reference they've put in is he says X-Death. He says, like, like the great X-Death or something like that. I will surpass him. So, they, again, this is what I'm saying. The only Final Fantasy relevant things are things that can just be spoken just be added in in a script because even the only creature from final fantasy that turns up is a chocobo but you notice oh it only turns up momentarily they're all plucked they're all plucked chocobos with no feathers i think only one appears and it's a a... there's one in the first episode and then she summons a whole army of them in the last episode but aren't they all but they're uh... all plucked they're all plucked so they don't look anything like the iconic yellow yeah they look more like ostriches don't they yeah yeah Um... like so they could have been anything yeah and you've just said chocobo in fact i don't think the word chocobo is ever said no, I think she does. She's, she uses the word chocobo when she uh, generates them, I think. Oh, does she? I think she does. Uh, at least, yeah, I think. Right. Anyway, either way, it's meant to be a chocobo verbally, but yeah. it doesn't look like one. So if you're looking for your chocobos, you won't find them here. So what I want to do... Play chocobo GP instead. <laughs> yeah. So what I want to <laughs> do with this episode is I want to spend a little bit of time talking about how it fails as a Final Fantasy adaptation. Sure. But then I want to move on from that and appraise it as its own thing. I think that's fair. Like we did with um, Paul Anderson's first Resident Evil film. Yes. And Because we, we, we basically went into that going, look, if, if we're just going to criticise it as an adaptation, we're basically just going to spend, it's going to be a whole hour of me just being like, and, and this isn't canon, and this isn't canon, and this isn't yeah. canon. Whereas, yeah, take the adaptation part yeah. of it. So, focusing first on why it doesn't work as an adaptation, some of the elements are there. As you know, I know you've never really played Final Fantasy, but I'm sure you know just through cultural osmosis. Somehow, I've only ever played the offshoot ones. They're pretty much all a different story. Mm. Um, New set of characters, new world. There's some interesting fan theories. Um, There's a fan theory that Final Fantasy VII is the future of... Of Final Fantasy X. Oh, okay. Because there's a character in Final Fantasy X who's a young boy called Shinra. Right. And he is 
in Final Fantasy X-2, he's like a researcher. He's like a boy genius. And in ten two, He is Urkel. Yes. Um, in ten two, he makes mention of he's got a theory on a machine he can build that would generate energy by sucking life force out of the planet. Oh, wow. Which obviously is what the Shinra company do in 7. Yeah. Realistically, that's just an Easter egg, I think. I don't think... Um, I think they even asked the guy who wrote 10, because it's not even the same guy. Right. And I think he said, no, it's just a little Easter egg. Because sure. they do that. They have a lot of... For example, chocobos appear in every one. Yep. Um, Moogles. Moogles are in most of them. Moogles aren't in this adaptation. No, Tom Berries are in most of them. Cactuars. Um, I'm sure Cactuar. you've seen a Cactuar. And they, it, it's mostly just names. So, for example, these most games have a character called Sid in them, yep. including this. And usually uh, they have airships. They usually have airships. Most of them have Ifrit and Shiva. Yep. Um, and there's usually a Biggs and a Wedge as well. Yeah, but those two which are is in themselves Star Wars references. Star Wars references, yeah. yeah. Um, and they're different characters every time. Because in 7, for example, Biggs and Wedge are good guys. They're part of Avalanche. Yeah. And they actually get killed off. To be honest, it's very impactful. Um, it takes me right back to being a kid playing 7. Um, in 7... Once you've been up to the Shinra headquarters for the first time and you get confirmation that Sephiroth is back and President Shinra gets killed by Sephiroth, the Shinra company decide that, you know, obviously Midgard is built on a big metal platform and all the rich people live up there and the poor people live below it. Yeah. Um, Shinra decide that they they find out Avalanche, which is the terrorist organization you're part of yeah they find out you're in sector seven and they crush it and they just drop the plate and it's a brilliant like i remember playing it as a kid like what and biggs and wedge die in that whereas in eight biggs and wedge are villains okay they're on they're part of the galbadian army interesting um yeah um so there's little connective elements but not that and then the only other thing that connects is most of them as all rpgs do nearly all rpgs the structure is usually you're on a quest of some kind. It's usually a long quest. You know, a lot of these old Final Fantasy games, once you get to, like, the PlayStation era, they're, like, four discs. Um, and on your way, you will assemble a party or a team of people. Now, this has that. We, we get a party, technically, a four-person party of Pritz, Linnelly, Rouge, and Valkus. Right. But they never really feel like a party. And the other... Because they don't really spend enough time together. And the other problem is the quest they are sent on... It doesn't become clear what the quest is until episode three. And there's only four episodes. And once the quest... As soon as the... Basically, you get a big info dump from that princess character, don't you? Who's like, this is the situation. This guy called Ra Devil is the villain. And usually in a Final Fantasy game... That's when you'd get the whole, now you must travel all the way to the far-off land in the east to get a weapon that will kill it. Whereas in this, because they're obviously not doing a long thing, it's just, oh yeah, there's a dragon underground who will take you straight to the evil base. Yeah. It's kind of like if you played Sonic Sonic 1 and you did Green Hill Zone 
and then went straight to scrap brain zone. Yeah. That's kind of how it feels. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we'll definitely end up talking about pacing, I think, in this There's series, no magic big... in this, as in, you usually have mages, yeah. then you have fire, thunder, There's water. magical creatures like the dragon and things yeah. like that, and ghosts and There's things like that. elemental but... magic. Yeah, the closest thing to magic in it is when Linnelly is conjures up a chocobo. Yeah. But that's the only magic there is, and it's not the same. Like, no one's throwing fireballs and shit. No. Um, also, what was with the ogres with big titties? Did you notice the ogres with big titties? You mean the ones that are with the... In the final episode, yeah. Oh, I don't remember big, them. Big old green ogres with big old titties. I mean, one I thing we will have to discuss you... about this is how overly sexualized everything oh, is. Oh, yeah, we'll get, uh, we'll get to that but later. Can you but, yeah. call it spillage when, when they just don't have tops on at all? I think it's definitely spillage. Because um, it's not spilling you, out of anything. Well, you've got to remember that the Congo Bongo monkey won the spillage contest in Sega Hard Girls. So, yeah, no top equals maximum yeah. spillage. I know it's not, but... Maximum you... spillage is a, it's definitely something we've got to start slapping on things. Okay, so I, I don't think I really have anything more to say on it being an adaptation, really. Yeah. Other than it just it just didn't have that Final Fantasy feel. What now, was the name of the character that was from Final Fantasy V? Uh, Mid or something like that, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it was Mid. It was Final Sid's great-grandson or something. Fantasy five. I want to have a look and see what Mid looked like in the original. Oh, fucking hell. Okay, I'll show you. So the one on the left is the Mid from the game. The one on the right, you'll know, is, is from the anime. Okay. So the hairstyle's similar. Other than the goggles, it's really the same thing. Not really. One has a massive... Diamond jewel on oh, has goodness. sort of feminine features, has like the hairstyle's a bit more messier, and yeah, you've got big ass goggles on them. Mm. And then the one in the anime is just basically dressed like a monk mm. and very small. Is mid and this doesn't look like he's meant to be that because well, he's only a child is he? when he dies. Yeah, maybe. All right, I'll forgive it. Um, but, but even then, it's it's not a one-to-one. No. Considering that they had the ability to draw, I think that's... All they did was change the hairstyle on the bastard. Yeah. And I think that one of the key things missing... Also, specifically, Mid has a spiky nose, and the one in the oh, anime has no, no nose. nose. <laughs> um... One of the key things, I think, that makes this lose the Final Fantasy feel is one of the things that is key to the Final Fantasy franchise is music. Final Fantasy is very famous for its music. Was it known that much for music in 1994? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. um, I mean, it, it was well, on... No, the... it actually was, yeah. I'm not even joking. Even back in the SNES era, Final Fantasy was always praised for its music. Because the, the only musical re- returns that I've ever heard like that are in the pop culture are from Final Fantasy 7. So, 7 is obviously the most popular. Yeah. But, basically, a guy called Nobu used yeah. to be Nobu the composer. And he yeah. was the composer from Final Fantasy, I'm sure from the original all the way up to 10 is where he sort of semi-retired. So, he still did 10 but he had an assistant with him. Right. And then he like handed over from there. That music, like, you can go to concerts where they play that music. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've been to concerts where they play Nobuo Uematsu's music. A, apparently the musicians here, apparently they did try to emulate his style, but I personally didn't feel it came through a lot of the time. I, I'll be honest, I didn't, it didn't, I'll, I agree with you. Again, I don't have a lot of um, connection to his work, but... From what I've heard, I wouldn't have said that this sounded very like him. 
No. Uh, looking me looking up Nobu Uematsu, yeah, he di he was involved in uh, Final Fantasy uh, one, two. It looks like Final Fantasy eleven was at uh, ten and eleven is where he started to share the music with other people, and then in twelve he just did the end theme. Right, and then sort of retired. Oh, he came back for uh, fourteen though. Okay. He did all the music for fourteen. Oh, okay. And he did Hyperdimension Neptunia, which is another series that we need to do this, which is basically, well, it's basically another version of Sega Hard Girls. I think the key thing with the Final Fantasy, or any RPG story, really, is there's always an epic feel to them. Yeah, you have to feel like you're going on a big journey. And that's missing here. Yes, I agree. Um, one of the things that makes Final Fantasy games, for me, is that feeling of you're setting off on a long journey, you don't really know what's going to happen... The journey lasts forever, and a lot of times in Final Fantasies, there's a lot of returning. Yeah. Coming back to places you've visited before and seeing how things have changed, sure. how different events have impacted that. This is a very, very condensed version of a quest. Now, I will. I, I think we have to be fair that it is, only has just under two hours to mm. tell its story, so it's not going to be as sweeping as most Final Fantasies oh, yeah. anyway. What I'm saying is it's the wrong format to do a, don't do a Final Fantasy. Same reason Final Fantasy movies don't work. I, I, here's the thing. I, I agree with you to a level... Something I would say that doesn't help this series, mm. and this is kind of getting into the pacing, so let's let's take it as its own thing, not as a Final yeah, Fantasy. So we'll, at this we'll point. end the adaptation stuff. The main issue that this has is, from episode one, it just throws you into it. Mm. Here's a text scroll. That's your caught up. By the way, there's a guy on a motorbike and some young girl. They need to find this crystal. Go, boom, done. So you kind of get flung straight into it, but then almost the entirety of, say, ep and that, that first episode is... Not great, but in terms of what it's trying to set up, it's too quick, but it's okay, because it's starting you off on a journey. The problem is, is it ends that part of the journey at the end of the episode, which is to find the wind crystal, and then we end up in episode two, which, honestly, as far as the quest is concerned, literally nothing happens. I literally can't remember. I've seen episode two three times. <laughs> Three times, Rory, and I can't remember what happens in it. Episode two is probably one of the more problematic episodes as well. Is that the one where they first reveal... Oh, actually, you know what? I think I do remember, roughly. Is that the one where they reveal that the bad guys have already got the other three crystals? Yeah. Which, that was weird, because you kind of think, oh, this is a race to get the crystals. It's, yeah, and it's then Infinity it's a... War. It's Sonic Adventure. Yeah. And then and you're then like, like, oh, they they're have already the winning. <laughs> yeah, they've already won. We've they got just wind. We've got the shittest one. Yeah, I know. We don't have fire. We don't have nothing. Because what or... is it? Earth, air, fire, water. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the four main, let's quote, elements. quote elements. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, the thing like is... The mag... That always reminds me of the Magna Center. <laughs> That's a plug we are not being sponsored for, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> if you're in the UK, go visit the Magna Center. Mm. It's somewhere I went as a kid. I'd love to go. It probably isn't as good as I remember it. Right. So I went as a kid. It's in Rotherham. Right, okay. Up north. It's a science centre. Nice. Where they took an abandoned steel forging plant. Like a place where they used to like smelt shit. Yep. And they've turned it into a science centre. And it's like the Crystal Maze. Do you remember the Crystal Maze? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but instead of being divided into Aztec, Industrial, etc., it's divided into Earth, Air, Fire, Water. That's so cool. The only problem with the Magna Center is it shoots its load way too quick. 
because fire is like the first section and oh. it's the best section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a fire tornado. That's so cool. I'm not joking. It's so it's obviously you can't go near it. It's all fenced off. Yep. But it's only a railing that goes up to your waist. Like if you were a dickhead, you could climb it. Yeah. And this fire tornado spins in the middle of it. And this kid had bought with him. Do you remember slime? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like slime that kids play. Yeah, with. I remember slime. I had quite a bit of it. He threw it into the fire <laughs> tornado. And it was like bang, bang, bang. <laughs> and we were like, oh shit. Uh, water's pretty cool too. Uh, you get to do lots of experiments that show you about like displacement and things like that. Mm. Um, and they've done a cool effect where like it looks like this water running down the ceilings and floor all the time. Oh, that's cool. But actually, it's a layer of glass between you and the water. Mm. Earth was my... A lot of kids liked Earth, but the best thing to do in it was play with a JCB, and I didn't really give a fuck about the JCB. No? The best bit in air is air is in an indoor Zeppelin. Right. Nice. And the best bit in it... They have a, see, here's the problem with air. They've got a regular tornado. But you've had a fire tornado. But you've just seen a fire tornado an hour earlier. You should start you with should air. You should do air first. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you should totally do air first, because then you see the evolution of the tornado. Into it's like, hey, fire. kids, you remember when we saw this tornado? Wouldn't it be cool if that tornado was on fire? That'd be cool. Uh, but in terms of cool things, though, there is a good bit where they have a room where basically a fucking jet engine-sized fan blows, and it pins you to the wall. Yeah. And you get to feel the force of a <laughs> powerful wind. That's cool. Um, but honestly, it's just interesting walking through this steel factory. Because yeah. all the stuff's still there. You know, all the big vats yeah, yeah, that yeah. they smelt the metal in. Mm. It's all dormant, yeah. but it's all still there. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know if it's still open. I went when I was 12. <laughs> I'm 33 now. Like, Fair it might enough. not be open anymore. But anyway, back to this. Yeah. So, with this show, the first episode was kind of a bit... Nothing set up. That's the problem. No, it it throws you straight in, and then it doesn't really pay anything off. But it then it ends that chapter of the story mm. with them finding the crystal. But this is a problem throughout the show. Nothing ever gets set up once you're no. introduced to the villain, Raw Devil. Yeah. And so first of all, you think the villain is a guy called Death Gynos. Yep. But then you find out it's actually a guy called Raw Devil. which is the stupidest fucking name for Raw it. Devil. Raw Devil. Raw. If he was camp, it would have been cool. Yeah. He's trying to turn right. himself into Death Gynos. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I quite like the design of Ra Devil. It was quite cool when he first turns up. You first see him in a flashback, mm. killing Mid. Yep. Um, and he's in, like, a big Phantom of the Opera-type cloak, and he's got a glowing red eye. Then you see him manifest as a stone golem. Mm. And then when you actually see him, he's like a weird cybernetic biomechanical horror. Yeah. Which, being a horror fan, I was here for that. I was like, oh, that's really cool. The problem is, it'd be a lot cooler if I knew who he was or yeah. why he wants to they be Death Gynos. So, yeah, they spend so long setting up Death Gynos that they don't set up the actual villain. But they don't even set up Death Gynos. No. Beyond just a generic, no, oh, he's the god of the universe. At the very and... least, they keep mentioning him. Yeah. Ra Devil isn't mentioned until, like, episode three. Yeah, until he turns up and says, I am Ra oh, Devil. Yeah, like, oh, my God, who? Like, Maybe it's supposed to be pronounced Rad Evil. Maybe. Like a radically evil. Rad Evil. I do recall, episode. so episode two is kind of the most pointless and also the more interesting is, one. Is episode two the one where we meet Valkus? Because he's not in one, is he? 
Valkus, the leader of the Iron oh yeah yeah Wing. yeah he is yeah so and Valkus he's... isn't in episode one Valkus is pointless basically throughout the whole and, series and he's basically in love with Rouge yeah who is also pointless throughout the whole series who is Jesse from Team Rocket who decided to join OnlyFans and get a bondage job yes dominatrix <laughs> version of Jesse in case you didn't think that she was dominatrix enough Jesse James. James. There is no James in this, though. Team Rocket's blasting <laughs> off again. Yeah, well, Valka certainly was in his pants. Yeah. But, well, isn't there a bit where she gets a teeny tiny cut on her tit? And he goes he goes psycho over it and starts, like, machine gunning everyone down. Yeah, yeah. How dare you touch her perfect breast? Uh, I, you know what? Respect Valkus. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but in episode two, again, like nothing in the story actually travels forward. What happens up happening is Valkus appears, goes, I am the great Valkus of this uh, air navy and all this shit. Tycoon Kingdom. Yeah, tries to arrest them. Instead, they all get kidnapped by Rouge and her band of pirates. All who, dominatrix pirates. All dominatrix pirates. But everyone except her is a big fat woman. They're all buff. They're all like... <sighs> They're all big butch women. Yeah. In, like, weird latex teddy bear suits with 3D glasses on? Yeah, I don't know what... And Rouge isn't in any of that. She's in the type, sort of, bondagey stuff. Yeah, but she's not but got she's the 3D like glasses slender or anything. And, well, she looks like Jessie. Yeah. And down to the hairstyle and everything, yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't stick up as much. No. And in this episode, basically, it's them being arrested, kidnapped by her, being tortured by her, then escaping from her lair. Mm. And then at the end... Death Gyanos or Ra Devil's like robot minions come along and they have to all work together to escape. Mm. The thing is, nothing actually moves forward, story-wise. And number two, it's very uncomfortable to watch. Number one, you've got Sexy Jessie. Then you've got... She decides she needs to torture Pritz. Oh, I remember this. This is the tickle machine. Yeah, she strips him down to his pants. Bear in mind, this kid looks like he's probably about... 11. Well, I was going to say 14, but Mm. yeah. Um, He looks way too underage for this shit. Strips him down to his pants and then tickles him as the torture. And then decides to use her whip to strangle Linnelly, who is also a 14-year-old girl. Uh, It's just like, if you don't want her to die. And it's just like... What is this? Why has this got to use bondage shit when they're children? This is awkward. Big up one thing, though, is bear in mind the whole sort of all-woman vibe of Rouge and her posse. When the alarm goes off, when they escape and the alarm goes off, the alarm is a massive statue of a woman with her arms behind her head, massive tits... And then, like, a little hammer that smacks both of the tits and like the, the, the tits of the bells. And I was like, mate, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is someone's wet dream, yeah. I think. And you're watching it just going, so was this in Final Fantasy V? Or was... <laughs> Where was the woman with the massive alarm tits in Final Fantasy V? Mm. I'm sure she wasn't in the game. Yeah, so they escape... And that's it. That's the end of the episode. And you're like, well, we've. it has a similar thing. We mentioned this in the Shenmue series, but the difference is Shenmue had more episodes in which to correct this. And even then, we still didn't think it corrected enough. Yeah. Was it has an episode which does nothing and goes nowhere. And you're like, if you're so short on time, don't waste half an hour. Yeah. You could have added more journey, more story, more given it more of an epic Final Fantasy feel if you weren't stuck in a fucking rock cave. Yeah. With tits. For half an hour. (laughs) 
Also, this also starts the storyline of Linley's butt glowing. I was about to say, can we can we talk about Linley's um, funky BBL that she gets? Yes. So she absorbs the wind crystal. Yeah. And gets which a, makes her fat. And gets a funky. It gets a funky BBL, where her butt cheeks now glow. Yes. Every now and then. Her ass glows. And it, what is it? Is it when they're in the presence of the other crystals or some shit like Something that? Something like that. I mean, to be honest, it just seems to happen whenever the story needs it. Does, it does, doesn't it? And, and it, I say story needs it in, like, quotation marks, because it doesn't need this. And th- this starts a lot of weird angles where we can see her panties. Yes. a lot. There's a lot of time she's drawn so that we can see her pants. Yeah, episode one didn't seem to have a lot of it, but episode from the point where her ass starts to glow, we seem, suddenly get a lot of panty shot. This would be sexy if it the was girl it looked woman? like she yeah she looked like she was of age, but just fuck off with this shit. And then we get to episode three. So episode three, they need to go and find the dragon. Yeah, there's a dragon buried underground who's sleeping. I can't remember much of this episode at all to be honest. But essentially, the bit I do remember is when they do get into the cave. Mm-hmm. There's basically a big egg-shaped thing, like statue in the water. And it's miles away in this water, so Pritz decides he's going to go swimming. So he strips down to his pants again, he seems to be liking that shit. And he goes swimming off towards this thing. There's an awful lot of child nudity in this. Yes. Was this show financed by Jeffrey Epstein? <laughs> I don't know. Was Je- I don't know if Jeffrey Epstein ever visited Japan, but if he did, then I would say there's a good chance. Gross. Disgusting. So Pritz is climbing up this egg-shaped statue thing. And Mid has an idea that there's one shaft of light coming down from the ceiling at this sort of big look, coin-looking... Sigil thing, yeah. Sigil. And he tells Linley to stand on it. So Linley stands there and shoots an arse laser mm. at the dragon statue, which causes it to wake up and release the dragon. They love stuff like this in Japan, don't what, they? What, arse remember, remember the Sonic OVA where oh, Eggman did, where yeah. Eggman has a glue attack that shoots glue out of his butt. That was also buddies. the same one where he you had baby Eggman sucking buddies, on a woman's titties. If the glue's coming out the asshole, <laughs> it ain't glue. It is a very odd japanese thing maybe i mean i've not the reason i say it's a japanese thing maybe that's not fair but it's because it shows up i've only ever seen this sort of stuff in in animes which is at least the animes i've watched have been pretty much exclusively japanese Mm. this doesn't show up on friends (laughs) you know rachel didn't have a glowing ass laser we were on a break (laughs) ass glue that would have been fucking hilarious, though. Do you, Ross, take the Emily? I, Ross, take the Rachel. Ross laser. <laughs> Ross laser to Ross's face. That would have been hilarious. When, when Monica comes oh, yeah. in with the turkey on her head and her ass just starts glowing, I remember that scene. <laughs> don't you remember that scene? Yes. Don't, yes. You me- don't you remember fucking Tom Selleck shooting glue out his butt? <laughs> oh, I Gunther. don't need that vision. Gunther definitely did. Gunther. No, we can't. He's dead. Gunther was shitting glue into those, into no. those cappuccinos. Gunther, the guy who played Gunther passed James Michael Tyler. Did. Yeah, I know he's dead. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about his character. Okay. His character. Rachel. Rachel. I love you. I dumped glue in your coffee. My lover. Ugh.
See you after the break. I love him, Friends. My favourite bit. Probably. You know what? Friends is a better Final Fantasy than this. Is. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly my favourite bit in the whole of Friends, because I always remember it, yep. is where Joey's building the entertainment centre and Chandler's asleep. It's a joke that doesn't necessarily work because you wouldn't sleep in this position, but I don't care because the joke's funny. Oh, and he drills the... And the drill comes right <laughs> next to Chandler's head. Chandler runs out looking pissed off and Joey goes, oh, did I get you? And Chandler goes... No, you didn't get me. It's an electric drill. You get me, you kill me. <laughs> yeah, it is. When you think about it, though, he is sleeping with his head against the door. Which yeah, is like a, he must yeah. be sat at the bottom of his door. Yeah, which, which is a stupid place I've only to ever done one time, and I slept that way. And you way, were drunk. And I was off my yeah. fucking tits. Yeah, drunk. it is something you do when you're drunk, but he wasn't drunk in the show. But anyway, the final episode, I don't remember much about. So, Jamie, would you. Enlighten us as to the events of the final episode. Well, they fight Death Guy and stop me. So basically, um, the dragon turns into a big dragon because it's a little baby dragon. Yes. So it transforms into a big... Uh, Linnelly gets kidnapped. Sorry, I should have mentioned that. Linnelly gets taken. Yes. At the end of episode three, I think. Right. Dragon turns big. Digivolves. Pretz, Valkus and Rouge all get on the dragon with Mid. Obviously, Mid's a ghost, so he's basically useless. Yeah. And they go on up to the Dark Moon, which is where Ra Devil is based. And what we've been told at this point is basically Sid, who was a character in the original game, Final Fantasy V, was the one who understood the crystals more than anything. The day he was buried after he died, Ra Devil turned up, Mid was mourning him at his grave raw devil turned up and was like do you really think i would just let all of that knowledge go to waste and he blasts mid through the chest and kills him so that's how mid died yep and then he extracts sid's brain now this is all well and good except when you then get to episode four sid's brain is shown to be like the size of a coffee table yes. and you're like that was in a human skull <laughs> 10 minutes ago yep like None you of this to, makes any sense. You need to check your proportions here. Anyway, they bring um, they bring Linnelly up. They stick her in the machine along with the other three crystals. And the process of Ra Devil becoming Death Gynos begins. Um, you get a weird body horror type sequence. Yeah, I thought that, that was kind of cool. It was very cool. It reminded me a bit of Akira. Yeah. But before he can finish his transformation... The big dragon turns up and they manage to damage the machine enough that the transformation stops halfway through. Right. So he's only sort so now he's basically sort of still raw devil, but mutated and stuck in the head of the Death Gynus body. Yeah. And the Death Gynus body is only half a body, so it's only the torso and the two arms. And to be honest, most of the episode is just a battle sequence. Yep. Um they you think they've defeated him. Then there's a weird bit where Linnelly... This was a bit that went nowhere and just felt like them wasting time. Pritz frees Linnelly, and Linnelly is, like, mind-controlled or under a spell or something. Yeah. And there's a, a relatively humorous scene where she kicks the shit out of him that was actually quite funny because they've managed to capture in the animation style 
that she's putting no effort in. Yeah. <laughs> she's just kicking the shit out of him. So you're like, oh shit, she must be Death Gynos. Like, she, somehow the energy's gone into her or whatever. Yeah. No, no, Mid turns up and goes, remember who you are. And then she does. Yep. Whole sequence lasts 60 seconds. Pritz wakes up and he's like, well, it happened. And Mid's just like, don't worry about it, it's over. Death Gynos does one final, I'm still alive, because, you know, villains. Yeah. And they kill him by... The crystal goes into Pretz, who then has to pass it back to Linnelly. And he, like, shoots it out of his chest into her arse. And then he does his, whatever his... What was it called? Like, Chrysanthemum Sword Slash or something? Oh, fuck no. He, he cuts Death Gynos in half. Yep, with one slice. And it's all over and done with. Yep. And I stopped paying attention at that point. I think yeah. that, I think it's literally just a, they all go home, live happily ever after. Yep. It had potential. It had potential and it wasted it. So, do you think it wasted it because it spent too much time being a, a fetish piece? A little bit of that and a little bit of not using its time effectively. Yeah. Realistically, this needed to be six or eight episodes. I don't... To be honest, I didn't want any more of it. No, no, I didn't want any more of it. But Because it, basically, what we needed was set up for who the fuck Raw Devil is. Yep. Set up for who any of these characters are. Yeah, basically, we didn't need to go for the Wind Crystal until episode two. Episode one needed to establish who these people are and why the fuck yeah. we should care. Because you can't even sit there. So, so it's like Advent Children. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying Advent Children's any good still. Yeah. But at least in Advent Children, the lack of setup for certain characters, you can sit there and go, well, this is clearly only meant for people who've played Seven. Yeah. So you know this. But the fact that this is set 200 years after Five, yeah. and it's none of the same characters, means that that doesn't apply here. Yeah. And ironically, the one character from Final Fantasy V is given a backstory. Yeah, even Final Fantasy V fans need a backstory on all these characters. Yeah, because they won't know who the hell any of them are. So I think you really needed about six episodes, and the time needed to be used... More effectively. More effectively. Yeah. Um, I don't quite know why there was all the fetishy stuff. I don't know. I mean, it sells. It sells in Japan, doesn't it? I understand. If you're going to put the fetishy stuff in, because that's the jam, it whatever, could have been done better. fine. It, then you put it in while the main storyline is still going. Yeah. You don't stop the quest for a whole episode just to go, hey, fetish stuff, great. Because it's like this, you know, they're still doing this to them, and you've got things like High School DxD. Yeah. And High School DxD is insane, man, because it's got this interesting lore to it, where it's about angels and devils, and it kind of combines all the mythologies of the world into one tapestry. I'm here for that. That's really interesting to me. But the whole thing is fan service. Yeah. Now, to be fair... To be fair, the difference is Final Fantasy is not supposed to be that. High School DxD was designed with that in mind. The whole gimmick is it's sort of a parody. Uh, basically, if I remember right, what happened with... It's a parody that does exactly the same thing as the... Well, basically, I think what happened is Ichi Shibumi, I think his name is, was actually a horror novelist. And none of his horror novels sold. He was selling barely any copies. And um, his agent was like... Why can't you just do a manga, man? Do a manga. Mangas sell. That's how you make your money. Look at the Dragon Ball Z guy. He made some manga and it did really well. By the way, you can cut this if you want, but I learned an interesting fact about Dragon Ball Z today. The guy who made Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, had said that he was done after Z, or after GT, I think, and was like, that's it, I've written 
a hundred volumes of Dragon Ball manga. I've done the story. I'm, it's over. I, I want to leave now. And then Dragon Ball Evolution got made. Yes. And it film. offended him so much that he was like, I cannot let this be Dragon Ball's legacy. So he went and made a movie called Dragon Ball Battle of the Gods. Right. That did super well at the Japanese box office. So he did another one called Dragon Ball Resurrection F. Were they animes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dragon Ball Resurrection F, which brings back Freezer, who's one of the main villains from Dragon Ball Z. Right. Freezer was the villain back when I when I was a kid and I watched Dragon Ball Z. Is he the Fre- green one? No. Freezer's Freezer is one of those weird things that they toned it down in the English dub because he's really androgynous. Oh, okay. And the weird thing with Freezer is in his first form, he seems quite feminine. Second form, he's very masculine-coded. Like, he gets really buff and, like, square-jawed and stuff. Then his third form, he slims down and becomes more feminine-looking again. Oh. Yeah, like, he's a real, like, transgender-type narrative thing. Yeah. uh, Which Japan have never had a problem with that. They've played that line for years. Um, And in America, they were just like, "We we need to keep insisting that he's a he. We've got to do it. We've got to yeah. do it. They did uh, that with a few characters. Yeah, but he was yeah. a good villain, Freezer was, actually. That was back when I watched Dragon Ball Z as a kid. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I like the mythology of Dragon Ball Z. My problem with it is 90% of the show is people screaming while they charge up an attack. And you're like, dude, yeah. this is filler. Anyway, point is, it offended him so much, he did these two films. These two films did really well. So he then ended up making another Dragon Ball series called <laughs> Dragon Ball Super. Right. And he, he finally has retired now, apparently. Right. But, but basically, my point was Dragon Ball Evolution, which I've never seen. No, I've heard it's is garbage. such an offensively bad movie <laughs> that it made the original creator come out of retirement. <laughs> I mean, if in in that sense, to Dragon Ball fans, it must be important. Yeah. Because if it it must have not not in terms of, oh, this is actually a good film mm. then. But it was good it was made, because yeah. it meant they got more actual Dragon Ball. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, how did I get onto that? Uh, we were talking about... Setting things up and yeah. things like that. If I'm remembering the origin of High School DxD properly, he'd been a horror novelist, his horror novels didn't sell, his agent was or his publisher was like, just do some fucking manga, man. Manga sells, and the two most popular genres of manga are shonen mangas, which is what Dragon Ball Z is. They're, they're mangas all based around fighting right. tournaments and powering up. And another type of manga that I think is called... I think it's called Eki which is what they call harem mangas or harem mangas, which is you have one male protagonist, a bunch of buxom ladies, and they're all in love with him. He's in love with all of them, but somehow the sex never happens because you want to keep the sexual tension going. And I think what happened is Ichi Shibumi kind of went, who had a good sense of humour, kind of went, I want to do that, but I want to parody it, so I'm just going to do that. Much like you said Airplane works because they do it straight-faced. Yeah. He does it entirely straight-faced, but he's dialed it all up to its maximum. Right. So the main character literally charges his attacks by groping breasts. Right. He has to, to power up his attacks. (laughs) And it's such a shame because there's bits in it that are really funny. And when I watch it, I'm not going to lie, I've got all four seasons on DVD, and I've got some of the books as well. And when I watch the show, I live on my own, Rory. Yeah. And I sit watching the show, and I I don't have my curtains up at the minute. And I sit watching it, and I'm like, 
can anyone see in here? <laughs> can anyone see that I'm watching this? Yeah. Well, if you're going to put pervy stuff in your series, mm. certainly if it's manga, it tends to happen a lot. Instead of taking time away from your main narrative to show it, you could incorporate it into the story. Mm. Now, again, there's going to be people out there that don't want pervy stuff in the series. That's for a different discussion because there is merit to that as well. But in regards to if you're going to do it, there is a series that we will we will end up covering on the show called Akiba's Trip or Akiba's Strip. Yeah. Um, and it's based on a video game. It is a video game adaptation. It was a Japanese anime style game. And as such, the series is an anime and in it, you play... It's kind of like what you are saying about the etchy thing. There's a guy who is surrounded by super hot women who he ends up never actually quite getting to do anything with because either he's not interested or, you know, the tension gets so high and it just gets cut out of it, whatever. Part of that story for the pervy bit is that essentially he's been killed and the woman who revived him was basically an undead woman. So when she revived him, he's now also undead. So they can't leave Akihabara, yeah. the town of Japan, where they need to, you know, which they need to protect. I've got I've got a Kiba's trip. I started playing it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I only played the first level and yeah. then sort of fell off of it. But The series is before, all right, actually. Before we cover it, I'm going to actually play it through properly. Yeah. Well, essentially, for anyone who doesn't know, the, the, the mechanics of it are, in order to defeat the enemies, like the enemy demons that are coming in to attack Akihabara you have to disrobe them mm. because removing their clothes down to their like their underwear essentially um for some reason the nudity burns them like the atmosphere burns their skin even though several of the girls who are demons are scantily dressed anyway so just removing like just let it happen yeah they'll be in, like a mini skirt and then it'll be like i'm fine it's all good and then like the mini skirt will disappear and it'll be like oh my powers i'm dying you're like Really? So it is obviously stupid, but at least you're not stopping the series story going forward just to go, yeah, let's do an episode where people, everyone gets naked. Yeah. You know, you've introduced it as part of the mechanics of the series. Again, though, doing that in a Final Fantasy doesn't seem like a Final Fantasy. Yeah. This, uh, This seems like an animator who just wanted to jerk off. Why make a Final Fantasy then? Look, bear in mind, this is before the Tifa thing. I don't quite know why they can't get it right. It shouldn't, in my opinion, but then again, this is easy for me to say, I haven't been tasked with writing and directing a Final Fantasy adaptation. Mm. But in my mind, it shouldn't be this hard to get it done. But then again, you are right. We've got to think of the time period, which is as good as Final Fantasy was, it wasn't until 6 and definitely... Arguably seven, but definitely at the earliest six, that Final Fantasy became known for having these epic, amazing stories. Sure. I think, I kind of think the way it went was six is an amazing epic story. Yeah. But because it was on Nintendo consoles and because it was the sixth one, it kind of got brushed over a bit. Yeah. Then seven was the debut on PlayStation. It's the first 3D one. Had all the of, seat, had all the mo- uh, motion video. They put a lot of effort into yeah. marketing. I mean, have you ever looked at the marketing campaign for seven? Oh, it's insane. They were taking out full double page spreads yeah. in, um, in like Game Master magazine and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and it's obviously like it's one of the defining games of the 90s. Have you ever noticed that 1998, I think it is, 97 to 98, 
if you ever looked at the games that came out in 97 to 98, it is probably the best year for gaming. Oh, it was In insane. all of gaming history. Mario Kart 64, GoldenEye. GoldenEye, Final Fantasy 7, yes. Resident Evil 2. Yes. It was a proper gold age of gaming. Sonic Adventure, 98. In Japan, yes. A year later in, uh, in the West. Yeah. It literally, like... Nearly all the best games ever made came out in 97 and 98. Yeah, I know. I'm going to get up a list while you... Uh... Oh, yeah, so that was it. I think 7 caught the zeitgeist, and then people went back and reevaluated 6. Yeah. Because a lot of people now... Obviously, 7 is generally regarded as the best Final Fantasy game ever by most people. But there's a big crowd arguing that 6 is actually better. Now, I've played a bit of 6. I've never finished it. I do know that the bits I've played were very good, and I do know that the big twist in six is the villain actually wins. Oh, okay. Um, Halfway through the game, there's a twist where the villain basically wins and conquers the world, and then it becomes a you-trying-to-overthrow-him type narrative. I see. Which is cool. So I found a list of some of the games released in 98. So the first one, for example, I don't like personally... But, but there's the impact. no the, the impact. There's no denying how beloved it is. As it's a, like modern. As a game. It's like COD Modern Warfare Four. Yeah. I don't like it, but I can't deny that it was a fucking yeah. massive game. So we start with Metal Gear Solid. Was released in ninety eight. Really? I thought that was earlier. I okay. thought it was earlier, but it's ninety eight. Banjo Kazooie, which was a big game. It was a big game because yeah. it was when Rare yeah. was still at their peak. Yeah. Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. That's the most popular one, isn't it? That is... Well, it's that certainly and, the most legendary. Um, it's Ocarina of Time. Majora's Mask Majora's came out Mask. on the N64 as well, yeah. Baldur's Gate, which is a big series. Yeah. Grim Fandango, which was one of the last series by LucasArts. Fallout 2. Right. Half-Life. Fucking hell, 98. Yeah. Half-Life. Yeah. Crash Bandicoot Warped. Starcraft. Crash Bandicoot Warped is 98. Yeah. That's later than I thought. That's the third Crash Bandicoot. Ah. Starcraft came out in 98. Fuck. Thief the Dark Project, which I believe is now a series. Yeah. Turok 2, the best Turok, came out in 98. Star Wars Rogue Squadron, which was fucking incredible. Yeah. The first Mario Party was in 98. Parasite Eve on the PlayStation 98. I have always wanted to play Parasite Eve. Yeah, it looks really good. And I never have. I also want to read the novel that it's based on. I'm surprised by this one. I thought it was earlier. Gex Enter the Gecko. Yeah, no, no. Oh, Gex Enter the Gecko. Yes. Gex Enter the Gecko. I think that, if I remember right, that's the best one. Yeah. Oh, no, it might be Gex Deep Cover Gecko I'm thinking of. Maybe. Uh, The first boss is Santa Claus. (laughs) So, as you say, Resident Evil 2, mm. Panzer Dragoon Saga. Now, that may not have been a big seller, but that is one of the most impactful games on the Saturn. It was one of the biggest. Two people died making that game. I don't, think, I don't think Panzer Dragoon is the type of game I thought it was. because Well, Saga on, isn't like the others. Oh, because on, on Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing Transformed, you yeah. do Panzer Dragoon as a level. Yes. And it's like a fantasy-type setting thing. It is a fantasy. Yeah. It even has its own language. Yeah. See, I always assumed Panzer Dragoon was about tanks. No, 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 it's not. Because Panzer tanks. Yeah, I understand that. No, it's about flying dragons. That Sega is called bad naming of your game. Yeah. Uh, WWF Warzone. Yeah. 98. Spyro the Dragon. Spyro. Oh, great crack. Although I do prefer Spyro 2, personally. Yeah, but, I mean, it Gateway originated in 98. Yeah, yeah, Spyro's great. I love Spyro. Not a game for me, but definitely a big name. Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. Definitely, yeah. 98. Tomb Raider 3. Yeah. 
uh, a game called Medieval, which I had Medieval? about. Medieval? Yeah. Fuck yes, Medieval. You won't have played it because it was PlayStation exclusive. Right. Yeah, Medieval. It's all right, yeah. Yeah, Sonic Adventure, obviously in yeah. Japan. Street Fighter Alpha 3, which is one of the biggest of the Street Fighter um, Alpha Family. series. Yeah. yeah. Heart of Darkness, I've not heard of. One of the first Marvel vs. Capcoms came out that year. Ridge Racer 4, which is obviously a big name if you like Ridge Racer. Wario Land 2 on the Game Boy, which was a big seller on the Game yeah. Boy. 1080 Degree Snowboarding, which was a big seller on the N64. F-Zero X, which was a brilliant game. Mm. Again, a racer would be your jam. Uh, Railroad Tycoon 2, so if you like railroading sims, uh, that was, I think, the best one in that series as well. Body Harvest, which was a, a really cool N64 game. Quite niche, though. Mm, yeah, I've never heard of that. Oddworld Abe's Exodus came yes. out in 98. Yep. Xeno Gears, which I believe is a popular anime-style game. Yep. Uh, Rush 2, which was San Francisco Rush. It's a racing game. Need for Speed 3. Yeah, there's there's so many big ones. Yeah, massive time period and for gaming. And that didn't even mention... Goldeneye. Did Goldeneye come out in 97 then, maybe? Wasn't Goldeneye earlier? Because Goldeneye the film is 94. No, no, but the, the actual game was... No, Goldeneye did come out in 97. Right. Yeah, top-rated games. Uh, Why did it take them so long to do the fucking game? If the uh, film because out? it was meant to be for the SNES, and then when they realised the N64 was coming, they switched development. Right. Uh, originally, Goldeneye 007 has such an interesting backstory, because it was originally a Virtua Cop clone. Right. So the reason, unlike every other first-person shooter of its time, that you could hold the R button and you got the aiming reticule, that was because you had an aiming reticule in Virtua Cop. Mm. But in most shooting games, it just shot wherever you shot. It didn't matter where you aimed. There's so many good games that year, and the fact that this, there's even several on here that I didn't mention before. Virtua Fighter 3 TB. It was such a good year for gaming. Okay, so let's discuss if there's a way to do Final Fantasy in a two-hour format. Like, how, how that should be structured. Yeah, two-hour format? Yeah. I don't think it's possible. See, th- I think... I actually don't. No. Okay. The, see, at, at the very least, if you're going to do it, because here's the main thing, we've had several cracks at this whip. As we said, we've done... This is our third one. This is a yeah. two-hour, but it's a four-part miniseries. We've done Spirits Within, which is a big Hollywood glossy film, yeah. but didn't feel at all Final Fantasy. Nope. Then you had Advent Children, which at least did feel like a Final Fantasy. But it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like an epic journey. Yeah, it's got the characters in it. Yeah. But the story just feels small. Yeah, the story's crap in Advent Children, yeah. for sure. So, what you? I think the main issue because is... Because look at it this way. The closest Western comparison yeah. to an epic journey quest film is Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Even Lord of the Rings took three films. Yeah. And I think combined runtime is something like nine hours. But you get certain stories that are a little bit, that are definitely smaller in scope, but they feel like you've been on a journey even within two hours, such as uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. I haven't seen that. Oh, such I've a good got, film. I've got it and I've never got around to yeah, watching and it. And don't get me wrong, it's a much more smaller, intimate film. It's not a big fantasy romp. It's, uh, you know, an intimate drama between two people. But. It feels like those two characters go on a long journey. Yeah, that's the problem. Final Fantasy, to get a Final Fantasy feel, much like Lord of the Rings, you want a party. Yeah. So you're not just one or two characters going on a journey. You you need six. Yeah, but if we're talking about adapting, and I don't mean as in, like, let's take, say, Final Fantasy VII and remake it as a film. Yeah. Something like this, because this and Advent Children have something very big in common, is that they're sequels to existing games. Yes. So they don't need to be 
as big as the games, which is actually a useful start. But Advent Children went too big, and Legend of the Christmas went too small with its references. You need to find the happy medium. I think you need... Say, say let's do it with Final Fantasy VII, because it's the most well-known. You take three or four characters from Final Fantasy VII, you do a smaller story about them, but that story is a big journey. So now you get a lot of time with those characters because it's only a small party. You only normally have four in a party anyway in Final Fantasy. So you have a small party and instead of delaying any shit, you start off with just a slight introduction of who those characters are, but most of the fans will already know. You don't need to go, this is Cloud. You know how Cloud became a character? Because most people will know. You just have to give a slight... A brief, a like uh, a bridged version yeah. for people who aren't existing fans. You then take these characters on a journey. They need to find something. They need to get something, and then you make the entire story that journey. They can talk to each other on that journey, share stories about where they've been in the intervening time between the game and the film. You know what they've come up against. Use those things as well. Don't just state them. Use those flaws those traumas those learning opportunities or those character growths to explain why those characters are are either stuck by or able to get over major issues in that narrative in the, in like in in the journey but it's got to be a journey and then you if you're doing it episodic i wouldn't do it episodic myself but if you're doing it episodic then the first episode you would stop at the point where they realize they've got to go on the journey then you've got an hour and a half of journey. That seems to be the best setup if you're going to do it episodic. As a movie, I'd start the. I'd probably try and get the journey started about twenty minutes in, and then I would use the missing time to for the characters to kind of relearn each other yeah. to regrow. Like, where you been in all this time anyway? Like, what have you been up to? But you get it from their perspective. That would be a cooler element. And yeah, as you say, unlike this, so the problem with Advent Children was there was too much action. They tried to make it chock full of action. Most of the action was shit. And when the action did happen, it felt unimportant because there was no build up. Like the whole bit on the motorbikes at the beginning, for some reason, Cloud gets attacked by those three goons on the motorbikes. Mm. And then after they are basically have him on the ropes and can defeat him, they just bugger off. Yeah. But there's no reason that they bugger off. They just bugger off. And you're like, so this was pointless then. This was a waste of time. Build up to your battles. Have maybe three key battles. That'll be, if you're doing it episodic, the end of episode two, three, and four. Mm. And they get bigger each battle. But everyone has more stakes. Because you have only four characters to worry about, you can build up what the stakes are for each fight and then pay them off with the succession or the failure of that fight because they don't always have to win. I think that would be a better story. Yeah. And while the, each of those fights are a different part of the journey, they're not all stuck in one town or they're not all yeah. stuck in one place. They've got to travel. Yeah. And those travels have to be meaningful. Yeah. I, 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 personally, I appreciate you trying. I do not think you can tell a Final Fantasy story in two hours. Yeah. I don't think it's possible. Like I said, the closest Western comparison you've got is Lord of the Rings, and that's nine hours. See, I'm, I'm trying to think of it. So the, the closest comparison I've got is Shining Force 2, which is a great... I, I love Shining Force 2. 
but again i'm not sure i could tell that in a in a film length either and i'm fairly certain that's got a simpler story than a lot of the final fantasies mm. um it's certainly got the simplest story out of any of the shining forces yeah. And even that one, I don't think I could tell in two hours. You could make an argument that trying to adapt... That's why I wasn't trying to adapt the game. Yeah. I was trying to adapt, like, what would be yeah. a good filmic sequel. You could make an argument that trying to adapt any RPG is a fool's errand. Mm. Because the whole point of an RPG is it's a role-playing game. Yeah. The fun comes from you living in that world, you doing your actions... People waste countless hours in in games like Final Fantasy, in games like Skyrim, um, Fallout, things like that. People waste hours just wandering town to town. And like Fable, my my ex used to love Fable, you know. Yeah. And she had all three of them, and she'd spend hours, and I'd come in and be like, "Oh, you're nearly at the end yet?" And she'd be like, "No, I've just been sat doing this job," like because you could just get a job yeah. in Fable. And to me, that doesn't make any sense why you would play a video game and choose to have a nine-to-five job like you do in real life. But she was having she was, fun. Yeah, so long as she's enjoying it. The same reason Sims yeah. doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. But you can argue that you can't make that... You can argue that that doesn't translate because you're taking away... Because look at Final Fantasy VII. The story's really cool as a game. Yeah. As a film, it's kind of stupid. Right. If you just took the cutscenes of Final Fantasy VII... And mash them all together to make a film. Oh, people do that. It doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work. No. Because what makes those, what gives those cutscenes weight is you playing as the character. Yeah. It's why, as much as I'd like to see it, generally there was lots of talk about a Bioshock film. Yes. Let me tell you now why a Bioshock film will not work. A Bioshock prequel will work as a film or a series mm. showing how Rapture Rosen fell. Yeah. I'd actually very much like to see a series that chronicles that yeah an actual adaptation of bioshock one does not work not only because a there's only one playable character in it and he doesn't really speak to anyone for most of the game but b the whole reason bioshock works as a game is that the character is an empty vessel that you're putting yourself into yes and when the big twist happens of the would you kindly yeah and you realise that you have been complicit in everything that's happened, yeah. but you haven't questioned it. That's yeah. why it works. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because you as a gamer are so... Bioshock's kind of a meta game. Yeah, yeah. Because it relies on you having played games before and being so used to just following objective markers. Yeah, yeah. That you don't even question what you're doing. When he asks you, would you kindly? But yeah, I, personally, I don't think it is possible to do a Final Fantasy in two hours. No, I can see your point. point. I wasn't, uh, yeah. For me, it would be a case of you'd have to design a sequel that is specifically for a film. But yeah, adapting the actual series... I don't think that's plausible. No. Okay, so let's finish him. Mm. So I went to IMDb and found us a little review. Oh. Of this film to get a feeling for Before what other people... Before we give our takes, that's interesting. To get a feeling for what other people thought. Okay. I found this lovely review from user Julian Assange Getsum. <laughs> so clearly this is Julian Assange from the Ethiopian Embassy. <laughs> This is what he was doing while he was hiding from the US authorities. Yeah. Um, on IMDb in 2012. 2012! Wow. This was made in 94. Anyway. So that was nearly 20 years later, and we're 10 years after that. Mm. He's posted a little review with the title, This Should Not Be Considered a Sequel to Final Fantasy V. We agree there. 
This movie was made by... P- <laughs> okay, here we go. There's going to be some anime terminology here. Oh, shit. This movie was made by people who were into lolly undies because I kept seeing the girl's knickers showing again and again all throughout the movie. This girl also has a glowing butt where the crystal inside (laughs) of her gets activated. In one scene, a big ray comes out of her ass to activate something. If you're into two girls, one cup and jailbait, you might (laughs) find that a turn on. But what is that doing in a Final Fantasy movie? There's another scene where the main bad guy looks like he's masturbating when he's transforming. Yeah. He does kind of look like he's jerking off. Yeah. It was really obvious that the energy of the universe was giving him a hard-on. <laughs> this guy's pulling no punches. The pirate in the movie is a dominatrix, and the scene with the big military guy wearing a leather bra should gi- uh, sure gives that impression. The pirate gets a scratch on her boob, and her general lover goes berserk at the enemy. There's lots of lolly undies, dominatrixes, glowing butts and butt rays, and very little plot. It's best to forget this movie after you watch it, and Square Enix should pretend they never made this movie. To be fair, Square Enix didn't make it. No. But yes, lolly undies. I'll be honest, he's not wrong. Mm. Julian Assange, correct. Yeah, it's a, it's a pedo movie. <laughs> It is, it is a little bit. Um, so, on that front, I'm going to come out first and state that I do not recommend this. No. Um, no, no, I don't. There, certain, there is, was certain yeah, levels... This is Schindler's List for a modern age. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what, there was a couple of bits where I was laughing, but it was mostly I was laughing at it. Like, really, arse laser? It's yeah. not... But I, I, I can't really recommend it on that grounds. It's not funny enough consistently. No. To you know, to go look how garbage this is. You're gonna have a great laugh. Yeah. It's there'll be specific moments. If I was gonna do that, I would cut clips. Yeah. That would be it. Yeah. And I can't think of any worse lines because we watched it in Japanese. Yeah, we've said um, that before. It's, it's difficult. Hard. Yeah. Unless they go all the way to spillage. But a lot of the worst elements of this were visual, not um, vocal. So, what about you? Absolutely not. It's not. It's not a good Final Fantasy adaptation. It's not good as its own thing. It's difficult to track down anyway. It's never been released on DVD. Nope. It's available solely on VHS, a dead format. Yep. And you could, you could probably find it online somewhere. I imagine that's what you probably did. Yeah. Or you could probably pay extortionate amounts to a collector for the VHS. And why would you do that? Why would you do any of that? For a series, that's no good. Don't do it. That's no good. It's not. It's not good. As to, as to paraphrase Sonic, this is not happening. Uh, yeah, that's my final word on this. This is not worth watching. Don't bother. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us, guys. You've heard it here first. It's definitely not worth watching. Unfortunately, this is another double nerve. <laughs> doesn't help, does it? We're trying to find all the good ones. And we've had two double no's in a row for this season. Thank you very much for joining us. Please tune in every single week at 5 o'clock. We release all of our episodes bi-weekly. In the intervening weeks, we will be releasing retro remakes of our first season episodes so you get to hear them a little bit cleaned up sound is a little bit better please join us on our discord you can catch the link on our website at www.vgmovie.co.uk 
click on that link for our Discord there and you can have a look and chat to us all day. Ask us if you have your own thoughts about this film. Let us know what you think. Or query if you think we've got it wrong. Say what you disagreed with. It would be great to hear from you. Uh, and also on the website you can catch not only all of the episodes so far but for a lot of them there'll be reference links to blogs on there where I've gone through and I've screen grabbed all of the different game references for different series so feel free to look at those as well it'll be something a little bit extra that you guys can enjoy why are you so extra I'm so extra anyway we'll catch you next time I'm a charging my ass laser when you stop coughing. Final Fantasy is all that I play. All other games are lame. It puts them all to shame. I know you play with your wing wang, so that's a lie. Game over, yeah! Cyberpunk Studios.